Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. And as Phil said earlier, I so want us to be connected. It's difficult in these days to be connected and have a sense that you know, we're really having church, and I appreciate those of you who are here this morning. Awesome to see you, to see faces, but those of you who are watching online, you are a part of this. And I want to encourage you today, uh, if you're uh, watching online, to open up your computer or your, or your uh, smartphone and look at the sermon notes on our website. Go to fbcdelray.com. Under Connect, you'll see a, a tab that says Sermon Notes. Click that, and you can watch what we're going to see on the screens here. And at the end of that, there's an opportunity for you to respond. And it would be great today as a way to connect with us all if those of you watching online could respond in some way. If the message meant something to you, if the children's story meant something to you, if the worship, just put that on there so that we can know that you're out there and know that it's, it's kind of connecting with you. That would be awesome. Or if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, Put something in the comment section to let us know that you're there and so we can stay connected as a church. And I know it's a strange time, but I am confident that our God can work through this strange time. Amen? And I know that he is at work today. And those of us who are in this room, we feel his presence. Those of you who are at home uh, watching, uh, I pray that you feel his presence as well. And that you'll open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and put a little, little bookmark there. And we're going to be over there and at John 3 this morning. Let me ask you, what is something that you do that you just love to do? That you don't have to be told to do, compelled to do by someone else, forced to do, hit over the head to do, paid to do. What is something that you just love to do? To do. When I was a eighth grader, my uh, dad and mom encouraged me to mow yards because I really wanted a 10-speed bicycle, a Schwinn Continental. That's what I was wanting. And I had seen other Schwinn bicycles, but that was the that was the gold standard back then, you know, that was, that was really cool, and I really, really wanted one, and I had seen others have them, and so uh, my parents encouraged me to cut grass, and I got almost enough money, and they helped me kind of get over the finish line, and I got that yellow Schwinn Continental. It was amazing. It was like nothing I'd ever ridden before, and I would ride that bike any chance I got. In fact, in the eighth grade, I rode my bicycle to school every single day in St. Louis, which is in the winter can get cold, rainy, and snowy. And, um, and to get to school was 10 miles uphill both ways. Not really, but it makes a better story. But it was only about a mile, but I rode that. I loved to ride that bicycle. It was something that I just, I just had a love to do. When I met Julie... I didn't have to be told to love her. I, I fell in love with her, and our relationship began, and I didn't have to be told to call her 
or to stand in line when I was offshore on drilling rigs to, to, to talk to her and to get her on the phone because there was only one phone offshore. And I didn't have to because I, was, I loved her. I was compelled to talk to her. Well, that's what we want to talk about for the next eight weeks, a compelling love, the love of God. Let me ask you, what would it take this morning for you to feel loved by God? You may say, well, see, I, I feel loved by God. I mean, he died for my sin, and I'm watching this, so I must... But I want to ask you, at the, at the, really at the core of your being, at the heart of who you really are, what would it take for you to have a strong sense of God's love right now? Maybe to have pain relief. Some of you are in a lot of pain. Maybe to heal a relationship that's broken right now. Maybe it would be if God would just write on the wall exactly what he wanted you to do right now. You know, because you're kind of wondering maybe, I've got a step I need to take, or I've got a decision I need to make, or I don't know really how to handle the upcoming school year, or my job situation because of COVID-19, I just don't know quite what to do. What would it take for you to have a sense of God's love? Maybe it'd be a financial windfall. Like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but now it looks like I'll be able to make it through the next year or I'll have the money to do what I need to do. Um, what would it take? You see, I fear during these days of COVID-19 and all the unrest in our nation and all the division and all the questions, I fear sometimes that maybe, just maybe, our love for God and our sense of his love for us could wane just a little bit. See, when we feel anxious and when we feel nervous and when we feel unsure, those are the times when we kind of go, does God still love me? Unfortunately for us, we often feel most loved when we're most successful, you know. And we think, well, God loves me because I'm doing well in my job or I'm doing well in my relationships or my health is good. Well, let me just tell you, I am convinced that there are more than enough reasons for us to sense the love of God every day of the year, no matter what's going on. And my fear is that when we don't sense his love, that we don't love him back. And that we live in kind of an anxiety and an uncomfortable state and we don't live in his love, as it says in John 15. So over the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at the love of God. And during each week, I want us to have this sense of, I want to, I want to feel it. I want to feel that he adores me, that he loves me. I want you to feel that he adores you and that he loves you. You know, so much of following Jesus and studying Scripture, for many of you, it's reminders rather than new things, isn't it? That's why we do the Lord's Supper. We're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks because Jesus told us to remember this do in remembrance of Him. So we're going to spend some time remembering the love of Jesus Christ. I was really captured 
by this verse that uh, Julie read earlier. Um, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For the love of Christ controls us. It's a difficult word in Greek, and really what it means is, is to seize us, to, to, to constrain us, or the best word that we like is to compel us. It's the love of Christ that controls us or compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I couldn't get past that phrase. The love of God controls us or compels us. This is not a love that we have to wake up in the morning and go, i got to remember to love God. And then he thinks, i, I got to remember to love Don or to love Sam or to love Elizabeth. He doesn't do that. He's, he loves us and he says to us, that love should be compelling. It's like when I love that bicycle, I didn't have to be told to ride it. When I fell in love with Julie, I didn't have to be told to try to spend time with her. I did everything to ride that bike and to spend time with her. Does the love of Christ compel you this morning? Is it compelling enough to say, I, I can't believe he loves me. It's incredible that he loves me. He says that we love that love of Christ and it's really both ways. Because the love of Christ is not just the love that I have for him, it's also the love that he has for us. And really, that's the emphasis of the passage. The love of Christ is demonstrated because he, what, as Julie shared so beautifully, he died for all. He died for all. And the beauty of it is, he didn't just wait till you were good enough says in Romans chapter 5 that God, his love, he, while we were what? While we were perfect people, Jesus died for us, right? When we got our act together, when things were perfect, when we had everything going, in, no, it didn't say that. It says while we were what? Yet sinners, yet rebellious people, Christ died for us. I love this quote by Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love, Overwhelmed by a Relentless God. I probably read some Chan. We studied a lot in this church, and he says this. He says, the greatest good on earth is God, period. God's one goal for us is himself. God's one goal for us is to give us himself. It's better than anything else he could possibly give us is to give us himself. Let me just ask you, do you feel that today? Do you have a sense that God has given you himself and he's available to you and that he loves you more than you can possibly imagine? Well, that's where we want to get to today. And when we do these kinds of studies, one of the things I like to do is start at the beginning or start with the familiar well, what is God's love like? How do I understand God's love? And how do I really relate to it? And to do that, we're going to look at John chapter 3. Verse 16 of John chapter 3 is probably the best known 
verse in all of the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know what the context of that verse is? As we always talk about when we study God's word, it's really important to know what the context, where, what was it said in? You know, what was he saying? What was he trying to communicate when he made this incredible statement? Well, most of you probably know that this is during a conversation between Jesus and one of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who came to him asking a question. But one of the things we kind of miss often is verses 14 and 15 that lead right into this incredible verse. And it says this, verse 14 and 15 says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. What in the world is he talking about? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Aren't serpents bad? What, what, what does this mean? What's the context of this? Well, if you know your Bible, you know your Old Testament, Numbers chapter 21, um, the people of Israel are on that 40-year journey in the wilderness and you know that during that 40-year journey, which, which, which the reason they're on the journey is because they refused to enter the, uh, the land that God had given them because it had giants in it. And so that God sent them on a 40-year journey so a generation would die off so the young millennials would be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? So all you millennials, you, you're, you're in it. You're, you're going for it. So thank you for that. Um, but not surprising when we're in the wilderness, what happens? Start to grumble. Start to grumble. Man, I don't really like this food. I'm tired of eating the same meal every day. It's great. It's Chipotle, but we've had it for the last 40 years. And in verse 5 of chapter 21 of Numbers, the people say this. The people, and get this, and hear what he's saying here, because this is really, really the heart of those of us who are sinners, it says this, the people spoke against God. Spoke against God, the one who's feeding them, right? And against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, understand, the, the rescue from Egypt is the most miraculous rescue of a people in the history of the world. Two million people are rescued from the most powerful nation on earth who were slaves there. It's incredible what God did for them, that they did really nothing to earn or deserve. God rescued them. And so what do they say? Why have you brought us out of, wilderness, out of Egypt, the place of oppression? We're going to die here in the wilderness when God is feeding them every day. For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food doesn't quite work, does it? There's no food and no water, and we hate this food. That's how we are, isn't it, at times? There's nothing to eat, Mom. I remember coming home to Mom. There's nothing to eat in this whole house, Mom. Well, sure there is. There's vegetables. Like I said, there's nothing to eat in this whole house. Oh, there's leftovers from last night's food. There was nothing to eat in this whole house. And what I meant was there was no cookies, snacks, yumminess like that. That's what the people were saying to God in the wilderness. You know what he did? 
He squashed them like a bug. No, he didn't, did he? That's what you would kind of want to do. Listen, you ungrateful people. How could you be this way? How could you, how could you complain when I'm about to give you this incredible land? The only reason you're wilderness is because you all are rebellious. So God sends some snakes. God sends some fiery serpents. And when they bit them, the people would die. And Moses cried out, God, you've got to rescue us. And you know what God did? God said, Moses, I want you to fashion a bronze serpent. I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to put it high in the air. And when the people are bitten by the snakes, they just have to look up at the serpent and they'll be healed. Sure enough, people got bit by snakes. They looked up at the serpent and they were miraculously healed. This is the context for John 3.16. Jesus says, if I am lifted up in the same way that the serpent is lifted up in the wilderness... People will be healed. And then he says, John 3.16. Jesus is saying, that serpent in the wilderness is me. It's a way to look at me. He's saying, I am coming in the same way that that serpent came, only I'm going to sacrifice myself on a cross. That's why John 3.16 says that, for God so loved you see we're the people who are complaining we're the people who are ungrateful we're the people who say god you haven't done enough for me but in the midst of that god so loved that's the kind of love that he has for you he loved us so much that he didn't just say it, well, I love you, I love, this." great. No, he says, I, he gave. You know, we sometimes joke about the five love languages. You know what they are, right? You've read the book, it's by Chapman or Smalley or somebody like that. And it's, it's really good, it's really helpful. You know, you have five different love languages, right? There's, there's the touch, there's the gifts, there's the quality time, there's the uh, words of affirmation, and there's buying you a Rolex, I think is the fifth one. Extra service, extra service, thank you. Well, I like them all, praise God, right? So if you're wondering, I like all those, those are great. Um, Julie and I have decided that we believe in the five love languages, we just like them all, you know, they're they're all great. Um, But love does require action. And when you look at what God does, you can start to appreciate his love. See, God didn't just say he loves you, he acted. And he gave the most precious thing he could possibly give, his son, on a cross, dying for us, bearing our sin. And I want you to get a little picture of that. R.C. Sproul in his book, God's Love, says this. And just understand what Jesus did, just, just for a moment. It says, Jesus experienced the fullness of hell while he was on the cross. His agony there had little to do with the physical pain of nails or thorns. It was the agony of bearing the wrath of God in its fullest, in its fullest sense that provoked the crisis of the Redeemer. The agony of taking my punishment, of taking my guilt. See, it's hard to love someone that much that's even nice to you, but Jesus did this saying, 
Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He, he did this for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's the love that He has for you. We should never doubt the love of God. He loves you that much. See, His love for you isn't based on your performance, as good or bad as it might be. His love for you is based on His love that He chose to love you and give His Son for you. I love the verse 17 says this, For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Let me ask you, do you feel condemned? Is there anything in your life today you say, you know what, I, I just feel condemned by God. I feel like there's things in my life, there's things that I did yesterday, or maybe even today, or thoughts that you've had, things that have happened. You say, I just feel condemned by God. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. I mean, that love is so much greater than anything I can possibly imagine. I'm not that way, I have to tell you. I'd like to be, but my love isn't like that. My love, is it's hard to love people who are mean to you, amen? What would our culture look like if people actually felt and responded to the love of God? And had a sense that God loves me no matter what's happened, no matter what I've done. He loves me. See, that's what's out there for us today. Let me ask you, are you compelled by the love of God? Is that how your life is being lived? That you so want to respond to Him. You sense the fact that He delights in you. That he adores you. That he wants to bless you. Are you compelled? See, when you have that kind of love and you have a sense of that's what God is in your life, you, you want to respond to that. You want to love him. Sometimes people look at the greatest commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. We look at those and go, well, uh, I, I, I got to try to do that. And every morning I got to wake up and I, I'm going to try to love. All you really have to do is look at the love he has for you. And that love starts to flow out of you. You start to get excited. You start to, start to think that, you know, I would really like to bless some people. I'd like other people to know about this. I, I'd like to know my neighbors. I'd like to, I'd like to give to the church. I'd like to, do, I'd like to do a lot of things because he loves me. Even though I know what's wrong with me. I'm very aware of that. Are you compelled by the love of Christ? Or have you, lost, have you left your first love? That's from Revelation as he, God confronts the churches and he says to one of the churches, he says, you've left your first love. And what he's saying is we have a tendency to kind of just do a lot of stuff, but not out of love. Maybe there was a time years ago when you felt the love of God. Maybe it's when you received Jesus as your Savior. You had a sense of His love for you. And you were excited about that and you felt love that He saved you. But then after that, you just kind of haven't really sensed that anymore. 
Have you left your first love? Sometimes there's things that block us from receiving God's love. Can be, as I said before, a sense of, of guilt. Well, God couldn't love me because of what I've done. No, that's exactly why Jesus came, because you needed to be forgiven. But sometimes it can be a lack of performance by God. You say, well, God hasn't really given me the kind of life that I've wanted, and things haven't worked out the way I thought they should work out, so I'm kind of waiting. Or maybe in the midst of COVID, you're saying, I can't wait till COVID's over, and I can relax, and I can go back to normal. No, really, this is the time to draw in and to feel the love of God, even in the midst of the difficulties we face. Because I can tell you, as we sang earlier, His love never changes. Never. Never. Don't let anything stand in the way of God's love for you. Don't let anyone point the finger at you and say, God doesn't love you. Or God's not going to love you after you've done that. Or you can never come back. Listen, if you're within the sound of my voice, you're alive on this earth, there's time for you to come back. But it won't last forever. There's time for you to say to Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Forgive me for rejecting your love for a time or ignoring your love or forgetting about your love. And let me just rest in your love, Jesus. Remember that you loved me enough to die for me. No matter what's going on today, that love is very real and available to you. Uh, some of you may say, well, Steve, I don't think I've ever, I've ever experienced that. I was raised in a Christian home or I was raised around God and I, I, I just pretty much have always kind of, you know, been a church person, but I don't know that I've ever personally experienced the love of God. Oh, if that's you, if that's you, you've been missing out. You've been missing out because God's love is available right now. The only thing stopping God from, the only thing stopping you from experiencing God's love is you opening the door and saying, Jesus, I, I want to experience your love. I repent of my sin. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in when we repent and when we receive Jesus Christ. His Spirit enters us, and what comes with His Spirit is His love. Oh, don't miss out on that. It's better than success. It's better than self-help, self-confidence, self-whatever, self-actualization. It's better than calling a friend and saying, hey, don't you think I look good in this dress? Amen, you know? Ladies, ladies, that's for ladies. Uh, or guys, don't you think his haircut looks really sharp today? I know Vaughn got a new haircut. I'm excited about that. Um, there's nothing better, as Francis Chan said, on this earth than the love of God. Nothing. Would you receive that today? It's available to you right where you are, wherever you're seeing this. If you're in this room or if you're seeing this on the other side of the world, God's love is available to you by simply opening the door. Would you do that today? I just don't want anyone to miss this. I don't want anyone to go through this crisis and think, you know what? I was just getting through the crisis, and I, I look forward to the day when I can experience God. No, God's love is available right now in the midst of whatever you're facing. 
I want us to spend just a few minutes before the Lord. I want us each to experience God's love. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry